Who am I? None deserving of his grace and of his love. Ah, but aren't you glad that he loved us? Aren't you glad that he saved us? You know, I was uh, sitting over there and, and listening to Joel sing, and one of the boys mentioned, said, Dad, you forgot to pray for the service. I uh, look at my notes, and I can't even remember them. I do the same thing when I go to the grocery store. The grocery store says milk and eggs and flour and, and that kind of thing, and I come back with potato chips and ice cream and, and uh, Kool-Aid. But anyway, I did... Uh, uh, not pray in the service, <laughs> uh, prayed through the morning, and so we'll pray and ask the Lord to bless those that are in need this morning, and ask the Lord to bless the reading of the uh, scripture and then the preaching of the message today. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, uh, we thank you for your loving goodness to us, and as we open your word and read uh, the words from its pages, I pray that the Spirit of God would use it in our hearts and in our minds. I pray, Lord, that you would help me as I preach this morning. I desire to be a blessing. And I believe the truth can be a tremendous blessing to us this morning and again this evening. If you tarry, you're coming. I pray, Lord, for those that are in need this morning and many that we prayed for this morning already and some in the Sunday school hour. Dear God, I pray that your will would be done in our lives and we would be a surrendered vessel in your hands, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah chapter 6, I want us to read beginning in verse number 1 where the Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died. Now that is the historical context for the setting of this passage of Scripture. Isaiah says, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Imagine, if you will, seeing the king of a nation sit on a throne for the visual in your mind, and then imagine multiplying and magnifying that vision as you went from an earthly throne to the heavenly throne of the Almighty. In verse number 2, he describes that heavenly throne as he writes above it, stood the seraphims. These were angelic beings. Each one had six wings. With twain or two, he covered his face. And with twain, he covered his feet. And with twain, he did fly. And one cried unto the other, unto another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory." And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the king. Let me point out something quickly here. Do you see that word king? And he goes on to describe the Lord of hosts. Do you see that word king? Put your finger on that, that word king. Hold your finger right there. Now go up to verse number one where the Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died. Put your finger on that word king. Is there a difference there? In the two kings, yes, the one is a capital K, the other is a small K. The one is a king, the other is the king of kings, the Lord God Almighty. Then verse number 6, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, 
having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. I'm preaching this morning on the subject of the blessings and benefits of difficult change. The blessings and benefits of difficult change. The historical setting of this chapter was the thing that got my attention. In fact, it is the context that makes this passage of Scripture uh, to have the value that it does. And we find that the context is it is the year that King Uzziah has died. Let me make some notes about Uzziah. He was the tenth king of Judah and Uzziah was a good man. In fact, he was a godly man. He was highly influenced by the prophet Zechariah and unlike many other kings, he never totally departed from the worship of the true and living God. Uzziah did right. There were times that he was stronger than others, but in his 52 years of leadership, the Lord blessed the southern kingdom, Judah, They gained power. God blessed them with wealth and success unlike it had been enjoyed since the days of Solomon the king. Then, of course, the united kingdom of of both Israel and Judah. Uzziah brought Judah back to the place of God's blessings and God's prosperity. It is evident that Isaiah the prophet is somewhat disturbed by the death of the great king. For 52 years there had been the consistency of Isaiah, or Uzziah, I'm sorry, being on the throne. His death signaled the end of the time of a great prosperity and consistency. Isaiah and the entire nation now we're uncertain as what would happen in the future. For you see, as the king went, so went the nation. Would it again become as the days of Ahab? Of course, a later king is Ahaz and others that are even more wicked. And Isaiah begins to wonder, and no doubt there is even an element of worry What's going to happen now that our king of 52 years has died? Will the next king point people to doing right? Will the next king continue our schools of teaching the law? Will the next king encourage us to worship the God that delivered us from the land of Egypt and gave to us the land of Canaan? What seemed to be a downtime or a changing time in the prophet's life actually became an uptime because it is in this time of consideration of wondering what will happen next because of the death of King Uzziah. The Bible tells us that, that Isaiah saw another throne above the throne of Uzziah 
And it was during that time of concern and fear that he was reminded there is a king that's greater than the earthly king. There is a king that is mightier and stronger and certainly is consistent for he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The purpose of the message is to say it took a time of difficulty. It took a time of change. It took a time of, dis- uh, of disturbance. It took a time of concern or even fear and worry for him to lift up his eyes and realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, my fears are unfounded. My faith does not need to rest on an earthly king, though I'm thankful for the godly leadership of of godly men. My faith has to rest in the king of heaven. So often we have to come to this place in our lives personally. Sometimes it is as a church collectively. Sometimes it is as a nation that we have to have our faith shaken so our faith can refocus on who God is. You see, it's easy to claim faith in God when all is well. It's easy to shout His praises when everything in life is going as we planned. But sometimes when our faith is shaken, sometimes when our hearts are broken, we go to God as we have not been to God in recent days or weeks, and we go to God saying, Oh God, I need your help But it is in that time that we enter the presence of God that we realize, wait a minute, if it wasn't for this difficult change, I would have not had this new confrontation with God and realize my security has transferred, my faith has transferred from that God to the things of life. Perhaps you're at a time in your life today personally, I've counseled with folks this week whose Hearts have been broken and have gone through uh, difficult tragedies in their life. I conducted a funeral yesterday. I met with folks that were, uh, that, that were going through a difficult time and on the phone because of their church and changes in their church. Certainly challenges come to our nation. We find ourselves today in the midst of a world pandemic and, and we've never seen it before with all of the sports teams that are closed down and all of those places that are usually packed and filled with thousands of people. They sit idle and empty. We've never seen this type of, of, uh, of event to take place in our lifetime. And with that, it brings some fear. It brings some uncertainty. Ah, but dear friend, I want to say to you today, we do not need to focus our attention on the difficult circumstances or the hurts or the loss of jobs or the, uh, or the heartaches that we may face. But oh, dear friend, we need to look to God and get a fresh new vision of who He is. Sometimes it takes a difficult change to bring us to the place of the blessings and benefits of a renewed vision of our God. There are three things I want to say in this pas- from this passage of Scripture. And I'm going to stay right here this morning, tonight. I'm going to be a little more practical 
And what I mean by that more of our life experiences today. But I want to be very spiritual in what Isaiah saw in the beginning or the foundation of the message that I preached this morning. First of all, I want to point out what Isaiah saw. And we need to see what Isaiah saw. Isaiah saw God. When the security of King Uzziah was gone... He lifted up his eyes not to an empty universe, but to a throne that was lifted high above the earth to a God that's in control of all things. The truth is, most of us, we have our eyes on the goodness of God rather than the God of the goodness. We're thankful for the homes we live in. We're thankful for the food we have. We're thankful for our family and friends and activities. And we say, I sure thank God for the blessings that He's given us. And I say that. I say it every day. And sometimes all of that needs to be shaken up so we don't focus on the blessings of the God, but the God of the blessings. When's the last time that you spent time in the presence of God? Not about things, but about Him. And who He is. You understand how blessed and how privileged we are to be able to go to the throne of grace of the One that created the world, the One that sustains the universe, the One that gives every breath of life, the One that is in control of the circumstances of life. Oh, dear friend, can I say this morning, we need to desire to see what Isaiah saw. And Isaiah saw God sitting on His throne. I spent some time yesterday on the telephone with one of our young men in our church and a student in our Bible college and, and it was a scheduled meeting and, and I've accomplished a, a lot of work on telephone rather than in meetings and I look forward to meeting again and uh, all of that uh, uh, usually on Saturdays in time of counseling. And this is a fine young man in our church and in fact most people know who he is uh, a fellow that's been in our Christian school and graduated and in college now, I said, tell me, son, tell me your testimony. He said, well, when we moved to this area, he said, my statement was, mom and dad can have their religion and I'll stay with what I want. He said, they started coming to Clay's Mill and he said, I love and respect my parents and so I, I came to church with them as a young teenager and then... They decided to put me in a Christian school, and I didn't want to go to the Christian school, but I did out of respect for my parents, and I knew I needed to get a good education, and I agreed because I respected them and I wanted a good education, and I knew I could get that in a, a quality Christian school that we have here. And he said, I, I just sort of went through uh, the behavior of, of activities, and, and I, I did my schoolwork. I did what was required of me a fairly quiet fellow, just, just, just quiet. And he said one day, he said in a college chapel service that we went to attend, he said all of a sudden, he said, preacher, something happened that I can't explain, but rather than seeing religion as something I would decide, he said somehow God spoke to my heart and I recognized there's a God in heaven and God is in control and God has a will for my life. He said, I begin to think beyond and above what my desires 
in life were. Then he said, I began to reason with God and tell God, well, you know, I'm just a quiet individual and I'd never qualify to be in full-time service. And, and he said, I, I, but I began to talk to God. And he said, I, I, I started reading my Bible as if, yes, there is a real God in heaven and this is what His words are and what He has to say. And I started reading the Bible as if it was God speaking to me. He said, Preacher, really, I just got a, I got a vision of God and my life began to change. He said, God worked in my heart and then it was another preaching service when I was listening and I realized that as the preacher was preaching, God was dealing with my heart about full-time service. And I said, Lord, he said, I, I can't be a full-time servant. And he gave all the reasons why. Then he said, preacher, I started spending time in prayer. And I started saying, God, whatever you want me to do really is what I want to do. We talked probably for 30 minutes yesterday and to listen to his testimony of what happened when he got a vision of God. He's now surrendered to be a missionary and go to a mission field. And he said, preacher, I was out behind the college and I was praying and I said, God, if you're real, you speak to my heart and speak to my heart through your word. And I began to read the Bible. And he told me what verse he read. And, and he said, it was the exact verses that I needed. And he said, preacher, I'll be honest. I'm nervous and I'm scared. I don't feel qualified. But I told God, I'll do anything you want me to do. Can I tell you something? God is not who we use to get our way in life. God is what we live for. He created us for Him. And if we would come to the place that we quit trying to use God and let God use us, that's what happened in Isaiah's life here. The circumstances changed. The king died. He had the ability to go in and talk to the king. He had the ability to influence the king. He had the ability when wrong was taking place uh, that he could talk to the king and have an influence. But now his earthly influence is gone. What would he do? What would the next king do? He said, it was then I looked to God and see that there was a God in heaven. May I say this morning, you and I need to see what Isaiah saw. We need to get a vision of God. And during this time of difficulty and distancing in this time that we wonder, and I understand as we listen to all these things, we wonder what is true and what is a lie, what is real and what is false, what should I fear and what should I have confidence in. And all of that, look above it and see See, there's a God sitting on his throne. Isaiah said, I saw God. You know, I'll give you this illustration. A child's toys and games satisfy them until there's a problem or a pain. And then they want a real person. The other day, the grandboys were at our house and JC and Jason were riding their bicycles and and it was, it, it, it was enjoyable to, to watch him ride up and down the road. And then Jason had a wreck. Just a one bi bicycle accident. Wasn't two or three or nobody ran a stop sign. He just flat out wrecked. And, uh, and, and boy, did he ever skin his elbow. Can I tell you something? He left his bicycle laying right in the street. And he came running for help. Can I tell you something? Sometimes God has to wreck us 
to get us to recognize we don't need to live life having fun with our toys. Now, I'm not against that. And God isn't. God wants you to enjoy life. But we get to the place sometimes that we're so busy. We don't have time for God. And Isaiah said, my circumstances changed. And when they did, I looked to the God of heaven and I saw God. And that's what we need to see today. It took a tragedy. It took fear to cause Isaiah to see God. Second of all, I want to I say not only do we need to see what Isaiah saw, we need to sense what Isaiah sensed. Now this is important. Not only did he see God, but when he saw God, he sensed something that he'd not been paying attention to. Look at verse number 5. Then said I. What, what does it mean, then said I? Well, then said I, after he saw God. He saw the glory of God. He saw the greatness of God. He saw the position of God. He saw the power of God. He saw the providence of God. He saw the prominence of God. He saw God. And then he said, when I saw God, then said I, woe is me. Isn't that something? When he saw God for who he was, Isaiah then saw himself for who he was. Let me give you this statement right here. When we are comfortable with our surroundings, we're usually comfortable with ourselves. And when our surroundings change, that's when we examine not only who God is, we examine who we really are. You see, folks, we're really not in control. You understand that? You understand the president is not in control. You understand the World Health Organization is not in control. You understand that the CDC, they're not in control. You understand if you brought all the leaders of the world together, while they may be leaders, they're not in control. Can I tell you something? It's God that's in control. And sometimes it takes a tragedy for us to realize that God is in control. You understand how quickly we change? Do you know if a fellow went into a store a year ago with a black mask on? They, they, they would call the police or they would, uh, they would have a high sense of concern for security. I mean, I've seen folks in stores that you, you could barely see their eyes. It was a funny thing. I went into the uh, dentist uh, this week, and, and uh, when you got there, you called uh, from your car, and, and uh, I called in, and they said, there's no one in the waiting room. You can come on in. And uh, she, she asked me a question that, that even then I thought was a little bit comical and a little bit obvious. She said to me, are you wearing a mask or do you have a mask? Well, I didn't have a mask on, and I thought, Am I so ugly I look like I have a mask on? And I thought, and I, I like the fellow they said of him, he's not two-faced. And we know that for sure. If he was, he wouldn't be wearing the one he's wearing. Uh, but, but I went in, I didn't have a mask on. And she was just basically telling me I needed to wear a mask inside the dentist's office. And so she gave me one. I put it on and uh, I wore it while I was sitting there. And I kept pondering, are you wearing a mask? No, I'm not. But you, you know how things change. A year ago, if you'd have worn a mask, they'd have thought you were going to rob the place. Now, if you don't wear a mask, they think you're going to rob the place. By the way, let me tell you the rest of the story. I wore that mask. I went back to see the dentist. I was a little concerned how he was going to get to my tooth. 
tooth with that mask on. I was hoping he wasn't going to go through my ears, you know, and I was wondering how this was going to work. And he, he smiled and he said, uh, he said, Preacher, you can take the mask off. And I did. And, and he checked my tooth and uh, did an x-ray. And so I went home. And, and uh, later that day, my wife got in the truck. She said, uh, where'd you get that mask? And I told her the story. went to the dentist and they asked me if I had a mask and so forth. Uh, she said... Um, uh, oh, I see. And so, just for fun, I put that mask on. She said to me, you didn't wear the mask like that when you were in the dentist's office, did you? I said, well, yeah, what's, what's wrong with it? She said, you're wearing it backwards. She said, the, the other color goes on the outside. You put it on backwards. I said, no wonder the dentist smiled when he told me, preacher, you can take that off. And of course, I told her uh, that, was, that was to protect me. But isn't it something how things change? Isn't it something, you know, it's hard to tell a joke when I can't hear you laugh. And uh, put a laughy face or something on, on Facebook and I'll know that you at least laugh when I get home and you thought it was funny. And, uh, uh, but, but, but uh, you know, things change. A year ago, you'd have been a terrorist if you were wearing a mask. Now you're a terrorist if you're not wearing a mask. Things are changing. And that's what happened in Isaiah's life. Things changed to the place that he looked at God and he saw God in a way that he hadn't seen Him in a way. And all of a sudden, he sensed something wasn't right. Then the Bible says, he said, Woe is me. You see, when I recognize God for who He is, I can then recognize myself for who I am. If I compare myself to others, I can always make myself feel better. I can always make myself feel justified. But when I come into the presence of God, I begin to sense, woe is me, I am unclean. And may I say this morning, we need to get a fresh glimpse of God. And when we get a fresh glimpse of God, even if it takes a tragedy to do it, a heartbreak to do it, a pandemic to do it, when we get a fresh glimpse of God, it'll help us to get a fresh glimpse of who we are and we'll declare woe is me have you ever dressed early in the morning in the closet where the light is not as bright as it could be or maybe should be and and uh, you put on a uh, you fellas you put on a tire you put on a pair of socks and they match in the closet and you come out in the sunlight and they don't match that's what Isaiah is saying he said everything was alright until I got in the presence of an almighty God Everything was all right when I uh, uh, was alone, but when I came to the presence of Almighty God, He said, I realized what I was, but wait a minute. He didn't just recognize what He was. Notice what happened. He recognized His need to be clean or to be cleansed, and He recognized that only God could do it. And He says uh, in verse number 5, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips lips for mine eyes have seen the king the lord of hosts then flew one of the seraphims unto me having a live coal in his hand which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar and he laid it upon my mouth and, so, and said lo this hath touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged oh what a glorious day when I looked at God and I recognized that he was holy and righteous and pure and I looked at myself and realized 
realize I was a fallen sinful creature and as a song that Joel sang before I preached who am I? That's what, the, uh, that's what Isaiah the prophet is saying who am I? Woe is me! Ah, but then the angel took the fire from off the altar and oh, I hungered to see what he saw. I hungered to sense what he sensed and I also hungered to be cleansed as Isaiah was cleansed as he took the fire from off the altar and he touched his lips and he made them clean. But then we need to say what Isaiah said. We need to see what he saw We need to sense what he sensed. Then we need to say what he said. Notice after the cleansing what happens. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? You say, preacher, it doesn't seem like these verses are connected. We go from seeing a righteous God uh, to seeing an unrighteous man that is cleansed and then it just changes subjects and, and talks about needing somebody to serve. And this doesn't seem to be connected all, but it is connected. And it's the same way all the way through the Word of God. You see, God doesn't save a man to leave him where he is. God saves a man to sanctify him or set him apart so he can bring him to a place of service. He said, then I heard the Lord say, did you not hear it before? Maybe God was speaking before. You may be watching me today and you're just thinking about your life and not thinking about the will of God or serving God. But difficult changes have come to our world and to our lives. And perhaps other things are in your life right now bringing about difficulty to the place that you you see God like you've not seen Him in a while. May I say it is now that God speaks and says, I need someone to serve me I need someone who will go and he said who will go for me and Isaiah said then said I here am I send me we need to say what Isaiah said and as he cleanses us and makes us clean for service he doesn't make us clean just to be clean he makes us clean that we may serve. You see, forgiveness in the sight of God is not to forgive us and leave us where we are. Forgiveness is to restore us to service. Forgiveness is restore us to fellowship. Forgiveness is to restore us to joy. As the psalmist said in Psalm 51, and here Isaiah hears the Lord say, Who will go for me? And Isaiah said, I'll go. I'll go. Could it be that this difficult time that's been brought into our life has been to get your attention to say, I need you to serve me. I need you to be a witness. I need you to be a soul winner. I need you to be a Sunday school teacher. I need you to be a bus captain. I need you to be a bus driver. I need you to serve me in and through my local church. I need you, perhaps as we look at this that has brought us to the place of our attention giving to God, the purpose is for the church to be awakened, not just to exist for activities, but to go back to its purpose of preaching the gospel to every creature here and around the world. I wonder today, do you know Christ is your Savior? Do you know today that your sins are forgiven? If you're watching today and you've never been born again, 
Your life is filled with fear and concerns and uncertainty because of all that's going on around us. I say to you today, you ought to trust Christ as your Savior. He'll give you certainty for uncertainty. He'll give you cleanness for uncleanness. Today, if you've never trusted Him, you ought to trust Him as Savior. If you're a Christian and you're saved, but you're not in the will of God, you're not serving like you should. Perhaps there's sin in your life. And Isaiah said when he saw God, then he recognized his condition. Perhaps that needs to happen in your life today. Would I be able to just ask you to bow your heads right where you are in your home or your car? Just sitting someplace and watching, would you bow your head and say, Lord, let me see you for who you are.